All right. Welcome to Mind Bidding Leadership episode number two. Uh, I am Seth Campbell, your host, and um, my purpose is to help you improve your leadership. We believe fundamentally that all people are leaders at home, at church, at their workplace, everywhere, parents, all of us, we are leaders in some form or some capacity. And it is this never-ending pursuit of how we can improve the lives of others. Today on episode two, I really want to take a big picture snapshot view of leadership in general and take time to break it down into some of the models and systems that I have learned over the years in the many different large organizations I've worked with, the books I've read, the great mentors I've had. Uh, I tend to be a person that likes to follow models and systems uh, naturally because I want the shortcut. I want to be able to uh, have the fast way, hence the idea of mind-bending leadership. Let's start first with the definition of leadership. Today, by the way, is going to be a lot of visuals. So if you are somebody that's just hearing this on the podcast, audio only, I would invite you to go to our private Facebook group, Mind-Bending Leadership. You should be able to search for that, and then we will have the video uploaded there, and you'll be able to go back and look at the visuals of that. Now, Let's start with the broad definition of leadership. Leadership is one of those words out there where a lot of people have different definitions and different meanings for it. And I've heard some really great ones over the years from so many, so many powerful, fantastic leaders. Like John Maxwell says, leadership has influenced nothing more, nothing less. Uh, some of the great mentors I've had uh, from, uh, you know, Gary Keller of, of Keller Williams Realty, a billionaire saying uh, leadership, uh, his short version is leadership is teaching people what I think so they can get what they want when they want it. Brilliant definition. Some of our, our former leaders uh, in the world have said, you know, leadership is when the people around you are winning. Also true. And I take a stance of leadership is a big word and it's all of those. I believe leadership is very situational. In other words, do we need, we, we, if you think about different leadership styles out there, like a collaborative leadership style or a very controlling, demanding leadership style, two very different styles, or even a passive leadership style, which one is better? My answer is, well, it depends. Depends on the situation. Are there times when we need a collaborative leader? Yes, when it's time to gather information, when we are testing things out, when we need that feedback loop from folks, we need to be collaborative leaders when we want to crowdsource the wisdom? Is there time to be demanding, controlling leadership? A lot of people say, no, those days are over. I say, not always. If there was a fire in a building, we're on a small room and there's a fire. We need a commanding leader. That would not be the time for somebody to say, all right, let's collaborate on what to do inside of here, right? That's the time where we need somebody who knows the way out and knows the building to say, all right, everybody out that door, go this way, go right now. You know, the commanding leadership style is needed, albeit a lot less often in the world of the corporate world than it ever was before. However, just understand my, I, my belief on leadership is it's very situational and the greatest leaders out there are ones who learn all of those different styles, kind of treat it like a toolbox that they can go and grab a different tool based on the situation and kind of experiment, right? That's, that's my belief on leadership. So now let's dive into some of the, the shortcuts that I found over the years or the models and systems and path. My, I, I tend to think very linear logic and, and look for you know, ways to, to kind of explain these things and put them all together. 
I'm going to show you a couple of visuals. Uh, some of the, the things I think we do in leadership, because it's this big, ambiguous uh, word that morphs and changes and feels very difficult or, or intangible, difficult to, to wrap our hands around, I believe we actually overcomplicate it. I think we make it harder than it needs to be. I think we avoid too much of it because we think there's some natural thing that some people have, and it's so not true. Nobody comes out of the womb a leader. You know, leadership is skills that you learn. Go back to the toolbox. It's, it's did somebody teach me how to use this saw versus that saw, this hammer type of hammer versus this type of hammer, things like that. That's what leadership is. So now I want to show uh, a visual here. And you'll, for those of you, like I said, that are on the, uh, listen to the podcast, go join our private Facebook group, Mind Bidding Leadership, and you'll be able to see this. And everybody else, you get the chance. If you know me well, you know I like to do things by handwritten, not fancy charts like I probably should. So this, I think, is, the, is a clear like wow moment for me in my life and my leadership journey when I decided to kind of break this down. Like when, when it comes to running companies, I, 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 I coach and teach and work with a lot of business owners who are launching companies. I myself launched many companies. This is the path, in my opinion. Let's go straight down the middle and you'll see um, down the blue writing down the middle is the path. And then there's some, some exterior stuff that I'll kind of walk through. And as I take people through coaching and training and consulting businesses inside of the world real estate or outside the world real estate, this is the path that we follow. So I'm giving you the playbook of how to launch and lead a successful company uh, with leadership, mind-bending leadership at the center of it. The very first thing you start with is goals. The very first thing you start with is goals. And um, when you, which is interesting, by the way, it sounds like, oh, of course you start with goals. Do you know how many people I meet with who are starting companies that start with goal? Almost nobody. It's amazing. 99.9% of the time when somebody enters a coaching, trainer, consulting relationship with me, they have very specific questions on strategy. Like, should I be doing this or this? Like, how do I, you know, should I be doing Facebook advertising? Should I do this? There's all these tactical things and that's good. And I always say, well, it depends. What's your goal? Should I do this or should I do this? Should I hire this person? Should I fire this person? Should I start this? Should I do this? I always go, I don't know. What's your goal? It's the Cheshire cat in Alice in Wonderland. Which way should I go at the fork in the road? And Cheshire cat says, where are you headed? I don't know. Well, then it doesn't matter which one you go. Either way is right. And I got to tell you, it's shocking how many people have lost track of their ultimate goal because we go to these seminars or we listen to these podcasts, we, we listen to these great achievers out there and we hodgepodge together all these different plans and we get stuck in the weeds of implementation and execution without really having a destination. So I always stop everybody, go back to goals. I'm gonna tell you like, rarely have I ever met an individual that had all their goals put together. So there's a huge opportunity there. So when I say goals, um, I follow this big life model, which we will teach in future episodes. And it really is about getting all categories of life. Uh, it gets deep into your personal mission. It gets into 500 years from now. So we get into generational goals because 
if you haven't figured out by now, your life is a very integrated life and all of these things come together. In other words, I can make all the financial goals in the world if I to run into a physical wall in old age and achieve none of them. So I've got to actually work in all of these pieces, right? Many of us, we, we, we recognize where our mindset gets in the way, our spiritual path gets in the way. So we set big life goals. And then from there, so in other words, I'll give you a real life business example. My goal is to make this company a $10 billion company. My goal is to make this company a $150,000 a year company. Will my strategies be different? Big time. My goal is to have a company that runs up the scoreboard and you know, IPOs out, raises money, doesn't really need to make a profit, uh, grabs a bunch of market share and either gets acquired or goes public. My goal is to run a very profitable company and make a nice living and a decent cash flow to retire off of. Will my strategies be different? hundred percent, very different. So then we get into, well, should I hire this person? Should I buy this person? Should I invest in this? Should I do this lead generation strategy? Should I do this marketing strategy? Well, I don't know. What's your goal? Do you see how different it is? So therefore you've got to start with goals. And when you get start with goals, jump over to the left here. If you see where I wrote in red, these are kind of the, the in-between pieces. And I've got these things mapped out. Like you could blow any one of these up. I, and I've got drawings and steps and all kinds of things I take people through in our, in our coaching, training, consulting. And when you once you establish your goal, so let's say it's the billion-dollar company goal. Now, what are my strategic options? I've got to focus on market share. Uh, see how very different that is than I want the profitable company that pays for my way of living and I'm going to build up. Then my strategic options will be different. I might be saying like, oh, I'm going to focus on this little neighborhood. I'm going to drill down. I'm just going to own this couple of the smaller area where the other one is like, oh, I need to attract attention. I'm going to have to put a board of directors together that have fancy resumes that draw you know, a private capital or IPO capital. My strategic options will be very different. From that, then we look for models. We look for who's done that before. So if it is somebody that has done a very tight and profitable company that has a great way of living, there's models there. If it's somebody who's raised a bunch of capital, profit is optional, and they ran up the scoreboard for an IPO and acquisition, there's models there. Do you see how different that is? So it's, first, what are my goals? Where am I taking this thing? And this works for every area of your life. It works in parenting. It works in physical health. It works in spiritual. It's the same thing. What's my ultimate long-term destination? Where am I headed? Based on that, what are my strategic options? What do I even focus on? What, what industry do I get into? What, what's going to be my niche inside of that? Then once I choose that, now I've got models. From those models, I train to those models. Many of us out there are obsessive learners, which is awesome. It's also horrendous. One of the worst things you could do is go to like every class. And I know that's like blasphemy for some people to hear. Yet think about this. If we were talking about uh, nutrition and diets, like I love to use that as an example because it's something that, you know, we tend to all have fun with or struggle with or focus on. Uh, if, I, if I said like, let's go ask 20 different people for dieting advice, what are we going to get? 20 different answers. Now I said, well, I'm going to do them all. What if I mix together 20 different nutrition plans? What's going to happen? 
I'm going to net out to average. This is literally how people become average. The sum of all plans is the norm. The sum of all plans is the norm. The sum of all plans is the norm. It brings you right back to the middle, brings you right back to average. So therefore, I don't go to all the training in the world in my industry. I go to the training that is about the models of the proven people towards the strategic options of what I'm focused on. And then I build org organizational charts based on that. I Can I have an organizational chart of where our goals are going to be five years from now when we're a $5 billion company? Is there a, is there a key leadership organizational chart for that? Say yes. Is there an organizational chart for next year's goals when we're at 1 million? Yes. When I have a model, when I have strategic options that I'm following, yes. When I'm just doing business, man, the organizational chart can change depending on what class I just went to and who I just listened to. Just like the diet could change based on the last person that gave me nutritional advice. When I don't have a destination, which way are you going, Cheshire Cap? Don't have a destination. Well, then all the options work. Doesn't really matter which one you choose. What should I do? Hire this person, fire this person? Doesn't matter. If you have no destination, doesn't matter. Either one is right. So now when I have this very focused goal, now I've, um, I've I, this is exactly what I take people through when they coach and consult with me. We go through the strategic option. We find the models based on those options. We find a training based on those. We create organizational charts for, for this year, for next year, for three years from now, for five years from now, for someday. Now the people decisions get a lot clearer, right? And, and we've, we fundamentally follow these five pillars that I found of business and life. And it starts with the bottom left uh, uh, for the ones who are watching in the video is inside of the org chart for every one of these years and every one of these goals, we've got our sales, our income, right? Goals first, then profit, then people, then systems all wrapped in culture. And they'll notice that they go around in a circle because once your systems are in place, your sales should increase. Now everything's wrapped in culture. And if your culture tends to lend uh, to lean towards profit, that will impact the others. So you want to have a very balanced culture between these four central, these four pillars with a central pillar of culture. Now that in itself is a bunch of mind-bending leadership podcasts. We will break those down as we go. I'm giving you the map, the overall map of this whole thing. And many of our future podcasts together and videos together will be us breaking these pieces down. This is how we measure. And the reason why, by the way, these are in order, some people may say, well, people matter the most. I agree that people are the most important component. That's why culture is in the middle. People are the most important component, the, the, the best investment of any business. However, if you have no sales, it's, you're not going to have the right people. You're not going to be able to afford them. You're not going to be there. You're not going to have a business. If you don't have profit, you can't get those people, right? Uh, unless you're on a nonprofit you know, plan, and that's a little bit different. However, um, that's the thing. So in other words, first you work on sales and when they're checked, then you make sure your profit is right. So in other words, you're, you're, you're investing in the right sales so that they are profitable, then you can get the right people. And if the people aren't working, then a lot of times people will say like, oh, let me focus on my systems. Well, what will the wrong people do to the greatest systems? 
it doesn't work. What will great people do with mediocre systems? Crush it. People matter more than systems when it comes towards that. So then that becomes our focus. By the way, we haven't hired a single person yet inside of this. This is still at the planning stage. That's a crazy part. So now we take these, this organizational chart and we make uh, KPIs, key performance indicators. We make sure that meshes with the financial plan towards our strategic option, our model, towards our long-term goals. We make sure that, that the organizational chart is in sync with our culture and the mission that we're on. Then we can make these job profiles based on that particular organizational chart. And I'm a fan of what I call three clarity, which is every single key role, every role, and the one you focus on as the business owner, or the business leader would be the key roles of people that report to you, needs to have at least three crystal clear. And I actually don't mean at least, I like it to be maximum. Sometimes I'll allow five. Three is really the magic number. Crystal clear key performance indicators. So if I'm in charge of sales, then that probably needs to be number one. If I am in charge of operations, there has to be a measurable operational goal as number one. It cannot be the systems are great. What does that mean? That's not really measurable. It has to be either a profit number, depending on your organization. This is what I help people clarify. So now that person's very clear because if you're a talented individual, you seek nothing more than clarity. I mean, you're listening to this. You're a talented individual. What if I brought you into our organization what if I brought you into our sports team and I said, okay, I want you to play really hard. I want you to use all of your talents. I want you to pour everything into it, your whole heart. And I'm not going to tell you how to win the game. I'm not going to tell you how to score points or better yet. I will tell you how to score points is my favorite. And man, I don't know if it's just me that's worked in that company or if you can relate to it. I'm going to tell you how to win. And then you go and you start scoring points that way. And then the boss comes along and says, you know what? what about that over there? And I'm like, well, I don't know, but what about that over there? Well, I don't know. I think that's how we win now. I think that uh, we're going to change the rules. Like scoring points now is this fire over here. Okay. So then I go start to win over there. You know what? Thank you for that. Uh, I think this is what we need to focus on over here right now. And, and, and now the rules are going to change and that's not how we win anymore. Has anybody else been in that company or is that just me? It, it becomes crazy. And is one of the worst things you could do as a leader. Just imagine this. Sometimes I use this analogy where we're playing baseball and I come to you as the leader, as the coach, and I say, here's what you're going to do. I want you to hit the ball, run around the bases, score runs. That's how we went. Okay, cool. I'll do that. Hit the ball, run around the base, score runs. Hit the ball, run around the base, score runs. Now, at some point, I turn the scoreboard off. And I said, well, keep going. Keep hitting the ball. Keep running around the bases keep scoring runs, keep going, keep going, keep going. At some point, you're going to be like, well, how are we doing? Does this even matter? Are we making a difference? Are we winning? Are we losing? Like, well, don't worry about that. Just keep, keep hitting the ball and running around the base and scoring runs. How hard are you going to run when it doesn't really matter? Why exhaust yourself? At some point as a human, you'll be like, uh, I'm going to, you know, I don't know this matters. So I'm going to not put it all into it. At the beginning, man, when I used to hit the ball and run, I used to go crazy and put it all into it. Now it's like, this is meaningless. So all of these things need to be fully aligned and measurable towards a deeper mission. This is what I walk people through. 
uh, when we do that. Now we can get into these clarity around these job roles and the models that we use is sourcing. What do we mean by that? Where do you find candidates? Internally, externally, et cetera. Selecting, what is selecting? Fancy word for interviewing, hiring. Successing, I just had to come up with another S. Successing is like the clarity, what I just talked about around that role. I'm setting you up for success. I'm successing with you. I'm teaching you exactly how we score, why it matters, why you do want to run with all your heart around those bases, why you do want to score runs, the difference that you're making. And what it leads to when you do that better than everybody else in the world, for you, for me, for all of us. Now you have that kind of clarity. By the way, is that attractive to talent? Can you, can you attract great people with just this clarity? 100%. You get it. Then um, I, be, I believe we break down those three clarities. So if it is achieve XYZ in sales, achieve XYZ in growth and recruiting, achieve XYZ in profit or operational uh, efficiencies or referral business, repeat business, anything like that, whatever their, the, their three clarities are for that job role, let's break it down to how we can mathematically determine in the first 180 days how you're doing. Like, are you the one that's headed towards that? So maybe you're not going to get a full year's achievement, obviously, there. Yeah, we could project out mathematically, are you doing the right activities that are leading towards that? One of the biggest fails I see people make is when we bring new people on, we are really evaluating how well they're learning, not just the, the doing. So this becomes a big piece of what I teach inside of this when we break this down is we don't bring people on to learn how to sell. We bring people on to sell and the learning therefore should be baked into that. So we don't want to measure people's learning. We want to measure the results. And then are they using the learning to achieve those results? Because what else is learning for? We don't want to bring on the professional student we want to bring on the professional executor who utilizes the training that lines up with the model, the tools, the training, not the other model. Sometimes we bring people in and been there, done that, know their way. That's awesome. That experience is so valuable. If it's for a different model, like ah, I'm running the model on how to run up the scoreboard to do the exit in the IPO. Oh, well, I hired you for a company that's not doing that. We're hiring, you know, we're on the profitable train of uh, living a good life. We're going to have a conflict. So it all lines up here. And we bring out tools of tracking and this daily and weekly focus meeting, which is nothing more than how are you doing on the results? The results that should lead up to us knowing that you're on track and agreeing together that you're on track for the bigger role. And what are we looking at daily, weekly to, to measure that? And then how are you doing? How's it going? How's the training going? How's the implementation going? What can you teach us that we're not seeing inside this organization? Cause you've got a fresh set of eyes, but notice the order I ask those questions. So we really invest a lot of time with business leaders and owners right here on this step, because many times we bring people into the chaos, right? A lot of times we hire out of need or out of fire and we bring people in the chaos and the whirlwind. And even in the greatest plans that we have set out for the first six months fall apart in the first two weeks because we go to firefighting. 
And that keeps us on this hamster wheel of getting out of being purposeful towards building that. And it negates our leadership. So here's the whole thing. This is about leadership. This is about leadership. And so much of leadership we make more difficult because we are not following an intentional path. Now, the funny part is, could I equip you with all of these plans? Like if you and I were, were working together and you map this whole thing out for your organization and you had these tools and you had these conversations and you had these questions, are you going to look like a better leader? Say, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so much of leadership, we think sometimes it's this hard to reach fantasy and that natural person. Yes, there are natural behavioral skills that give us more influence, more persuasion. However, the leader who just has these tools and follows this, they're going to be in a phenomenal leader. When you have this much clarity, how fancy do you need to be with your leadership skills? This is leadership. That's the funny part. So hopefully it gives you excitement to the fact that you too can be a leader. If you're wired to, man, this is a lot of work. There's a lot of, it's a lot of systems. It's a lot of nerd type stuff. I get that. A lot of people, you know, call me the nerd too. That's fine with me. I'm not naturally wired for that. My, you know, I'm the kid with the messy room, uh, mess everything up, terrible on paperwork. I'm that guy too. However, I care enough about my goals that I've learned to surrender to these things that give me the shortcut. Following this for three years, I will vastly pass somebody in an organization that's not following it. I'll be past them in three years. They could be in business for 20 years. I'm willing to do the nerdy stuff to get there for that. Now, the final thing is say the person succeeds through that. Now we move towards the, the achievement cycle, which is like, what we do forever. A lot of people call that accountability. I like to call it achievement because I believe that talented people are already in motion and already headed towards achievement and accountability is not holding them accountable. It is holding them achievable, achievement focused in alignment where their goal is. By the time we have to hold you accountable by the traditional definition, you probably will have tapped out. So now inside of that, it's all about what is the communication cadence? What scoreboards are you looking at? How can you narrow the conversation? Because inevitably, so much regular stuff tries to flood into that. Now, right there, that bottom part is where most leadership books are written. How do we talk to that person? How do we run to conversations? What are the five dysfunctions of a team? Like almost every John Maxwell book, I got a bunch of them behind me all centers around this bottom box. Like what are the communication styles? What are the communication scripts? What are the, the, the ways we navigate through this achievement cycle? And it's all relevant. It's all powerful. It's also why I think leadership sometimes can be so nebulous and difficult to wrap our hands around because it's down there. Let me ask you this. What if I got all the other ones wrong? We're all out of alignment. We're running all over the place. Nothing really matched. It didn't really measure up. Destination kept changing. Scoreboard is off. Scoreboard changes. How difficult is it to be the leader in the achievement cycle? With that all, 
it's almost impossible. Hence, leadership feels very difficult. However, when we line up all these other pieces and we nail as much of this as possible, how much easier is leadership? It's a lot easier. It, leadership is pretty darn easy when you have incredible talent who knows exactly what they're doing, why they're doing it, wants to do it, loves doing it, and crushes it. Leadership's pretty easy. It's pretty easy. And, and that is a secret. I don't know why we don't share enough. When you set up all those pieces up front, you can look like this incredible genius leader. And it's really because you did all this work up front. Now, to put all that together, it's not easy. It's a lot of work. It's a lifetime journey. However, my whole point is 99.9% of the people that I encountered at Coach Train Consult or help them build a business, we get, they enter the conversation down here in the achievement cycle. How do I deal with this person? What do I do about this? Or they enter the conversation about a strategy, an implementation step. And I get that because that's what they're facing right now. And I always go back, well, I don't know. What's your plan? What's your goal? Where are you headed? What's the destination? I don't even know anymore. I don't remember. Okay, well, then it doesn't matter what you choose. Cheshire cat. So this is the big picture model that I follow. And like I said, every one of these I can draw out into another box. And, and, and that is very much the course and the journey that we take people through internally in my organizations. That's what we follow. That's what we teach. That's what we build curriculum around and coaching, training, consulting. I wanted to give the overall map and hopefully give you some excitement that this is something you can wrap your hands around. Others have walked before us, give you some clarity inside of if you're on that hamster wheel, there is a way off of it and give you the opportunity to reach out for help. If you're in one of those stuck positions, like all of us get inside of that, we're more than happy to uh, come alongside you and help you and, and walk through some of this stuff with you for you, for your organization. And I believe this works in all parts of life. I know it works in all parts of life. And it's something that hopefully you can take a breather on and improve your leadership too. So with that, I am going to end our podcast. And one of the things we do inside of our private organization, just so you know, the listeners is at the end of this, we flip it over to, uh, there actually is a live audience here, listen to this and flip it over and do an internal Q and A that's not public. And um, it's just for the folks inside of organization so that we can work through this stuff together because we're all on the journey together. So with that, thank you for listening to episode two of Mind Bending Leadership. Like I said, there's a lot of visuals in this one. Jump into our private Facebook group, Mind Bending Leadership, and you'll be able to see the video recording of this and my horrendous handwriting and visuals as you go. With that, we love you. We're focused. Go forth and prosper inside of your leadership. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.